2: All right, Chris, so here we go. Bills are having Zay Flowers in, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Uh, Jordan Addison's been linked to them. Jalen Hyatt's been linked to them. But we have Jim Nagy, who I respect a lot, who tweets out the other day, senior bowl director. He says most teams that he's spoken to only have one wide receiver in the first round. That's Jackson, Smith, and Jigba of Ohio State. It doesn't mean it's a bad class, but where do you fall on how the class kind of sorts itself out and where the separation is?
1: Yeah, it's not a bad class, but I think after being spoiled by the Jamar Chases and the Jalen Waddles, and even last year, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, it's not that type of group. There's not these instant plug-in as your wide receiver one, throw them 180 targets, and you're going to get 1,300 yards in year one. But I think, and I did see that tweet from Jim Nagy. It's great to bring that up sale. Um, I think that's good news for the Bills because if there are a bunch of teams in front of them that love Quentin Johnston and a lot of the players that you mentioned that the Bills have been tied to, um, then they'd probably probably be sitting there at 27 and four or five receivers are off the board and the Bills are like, "Ah, I don't know if we want to pick the sixth or seventh wide receiver at 27 overall. I actually saw a tweet from actually former WGR employee um Matthew Collar who I do a podcast with every week it's mostly on the Vikings but we kind of dive into the uh NFL draft this time of year he brought up a good point that drafting your wide receiver two in the first round is not like bad business anymore I mean we've seen it certainly the Bills saw it with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd in Cincinnati uh the Dolphins have two really really good receivers Jalen Waddell was a top 10 pick so if the Bills are like hey we love Zay Flowers or we love Jordan Addison, even though we know he's not going to be the guy in this Stephon Diggs-led passing offense, that's completely fine. And I think that's better um, a a better role for a lot of these wide receivers. I like Zay Flowers a lot. I have a first-round grade on him. Smith Najigba, same thing. Quentin Johnston, I like a lot. He's my wide receiver one. I don't know if I want any of those wide receivers to come in and ask to be the guy right away, and they certainly wouldn't need to be the guy here in Buffalo.
0: I love that you said, and you compared it to business because it's also good business from the standpoint that Gabe Davis is going to get paid a lot of money next year, whether it's by the bills or whether it's by somebody else. So you need to have a contingency exactly. plan. If you're not ready to pay him $15 million to be your wide receiver number two. And that's why I think this is such a perfect situation for the bills, because like you said, you can ease this person into their role with the offense as a wide receiver three, even a wide receiver four. And then if you like what they bring to the table, then you can say, okay, Gabe, like this is what we're going to give. and if you're not going to take it, then we're going to look elsewhere. So you mentioned Flowers, you mentioned Hyatt. Who are the ones that you think are the best fit for the Bills?
1: Okay, so from what the Bills have done and what they've liked with Brian Dable and then Ken Dorsey, they've liked, I think, smaller separators who are pretty good down the field. I obviously Gabe Davis is one of the bigger receivers on the roster, but I I think they've leaned in that direction, which is good for this class because a lot of these wide receivers – are smaller. I've been of the biggest belief that they need to be better after the catch. Stefan Diggs is one of the elite after the catch wide right receivers in the NFL. He does everything well, contested catches route. Um, you know, like his routes are amazing. He's probably one of the best route runners in the league. Quinton Johnson to me, I think he's not perfect. He actually reminds me somewhat of Gabe Davis and that at times he's going to look awkward in those contested catch situations and maybe drop some big passes. But a lot of times, he's going to make those difficult grabs. And where he's different from Gabe Davis is that at at around a similar size, he is awesome after the catch. He's like 6'2", 210 pounds, really like a running back with the ball in his hands, contact balance, vision. He is not just a vertical threat who's explosive. He had over a 40-inch vertical at the combine. He, to me, is the one that I think what the Bills need to kind of infuse into their offense. But Zay Flowers is kind of the guy that I think, and Jordan Addison, the more prototype for what the Bills have liked in the Sean McDermott era. Well, there
2: are pass catchers outside of wide receiver, a tight end class that is pretty good at the top and probably has some depth as well, but I'll let you speak Mm -hmm. on that more. And the guy that we've been kind of focusing on a little bit here is Darnell Washington, maybe the biggest fit for the Bills, how freak athletic he is. We know the Bills love traits, right? They love traits. Look at Greg Rousseau. Look at Spencer Brown, the guys that they've drafted. This guy has traits, Chris. So, can you kind of give us a little um your scouting report on Darnell Washington does he fit at 27 and where else could the bills go
1: with the tight ends if they want to add one there well Sal, i i think you said it perfectly that he fits that prototype for what the bills have liked over the last couple of drafts um these big oversized blockers linebackers uh just big time specimens that's darnell washington he 67 264 ran 464 one of the fastest 40-yard dash times among all the tight ends, which was really impressive at that size. He was the number two athlete recruit in the entire country uh, in the class of 2020. So this is not a slow, lumbering tight end. He's he's not someone that's going to create space like George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, but I think he's good enough as a receiver to warrant probably a late first or an early second round pick where I think there is some added intrigue is he is a legitimate road grader as a blocker. There was a couple, I think, what, four or five drafts ago, TJ Hawkinson went right ahead of the Bills when they picked at Oliver in 2019. And the, and the scouting report on him was, yeah, he's a pretty good blocker. He can move people, but he was smaller. Darnell Washington is like a sixth offensive lineman on the field. I've said that. I've written that. I think a lot of people kind of feel the same in the NFL draft community. So that could add some intrigue where the bills have been kind of linked to, Hey, maybe they're going to go offensive tackle, right tackle. If you add him on the field and there were some talks last year when they signed OJ Howard, that like the bills were going to run more 12 personnel. They were going to throw off defenses by, Hey, is it a run? Is it a pass with Dawson Knox and a tight end? If you have Darnell Washington and Dawson Knox out there, it would be very hard to decipher if it is going to be a run or a pass. And if it is a run, he can really move people on the edge. Uh, At Georgia, didn't really throw them the ball a lot, but they ran the football and ran it well. And I think a big reason, certainly just the regular offensive linemen there were very good at Georgia, but Darnell Washington at his size with his technique, he's a great blocker who I think is just scratching the surface as a receiver.
2: And and real quick on the 12 personnel point. So I always say this that you know, if you look at really what the Bills have done, you think about the last few years. OJ Howard you mentioned. Um, who was the guy they tried to, um, uh, the, from Seattle, the, 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 free agent they signed a couple years ago and then he didn't oh, work out um, um, and now I can't think of his name. Oh my um, God. I know. Right. Remember that? And he now I got a touchdown yeah. in the
1: preseason game. And I'm told, Oh, Hollister, Jacob, Jacob Hollister. Hollister. Thank you. Yeah. Another um, Wyoming guy.
2: Yeah, there you go. Right. And then you look at how I, I know that they were very interested in TJ Hawkinson the year he came out. I think this has been something that they've wanted to do for quite a while. And then Tyler Croft, oh. right. A couple of years ago, but the 12 personnel thing. They did run a lot of twelve personnel last year. The difference is they didn't have a tight end. They did it with Bobby Hart. That's yeah, what they did. Yeah, they ran extra <laughs> linemen, lined them up at tight end because they didn't have a guy like Washington. So to me, Matt, I think that's a cl- a clue. That's a clue. They've been searching for this.
0: Yeah, and I but I agree. But at the same time, did you either of you see the graphic that was floating around about the first tight end taken in the last ten drafts? It is very uninspiring. So I have it in front of me: Trey McBride, Kyle Pitts, Colt Met. T.J. Hawkinson, Hayden Hurst, O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, Max Williams, Eric Ebron, and Tyler Eifert. Those are the first tight ends taken in the last 10 drafts. And of that list, there's like one or two guys who I would be like, yeah, that was probably worth where they were drafted. Does that scare either of you off at all? Of like, they usually don't live up to the expectations? Well,
1: I'll go as far to say, I think if they decided to pick Darnell Washington... Or a tight end in general at 27, he probably won't be the first off the board. It, there's okay. it's it's such a really good it's a really good class, and I think some teams will view that and say, "Hey, look, in round two, we can get someone really good." But at 27, I would be surprised if someone like Dalton Kincaid from Utah, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, even Luke Musgrave uh, from Oregon State, or even Sam Laporta from Iowa are not picked in front of them. So they probably would be picking the second or maybe even third tight end off the board. If they go that route at 27.
2: And I would say all those guys you just mentioned, that would be the group you'd put next. If you want to say, maybe if you wait to the second round, one of them could also yes. be there. Right, Chris. Absolutely. All right. Just want to make sure on that. And then let's go to um the other spot, unless you have something more on receiver tight end, uh, Matt, you know, I, we'll, we'll touch on O-line before we get Chris out of here.
0: Yeah. One thing before we get to O-line. Bijan Robinson feels like it is less likely after the Damian Harris signing, but for a while that was a name and that's obviously a very big talking point. How good is he? Like, if somebody is going to take him in the first round, I know running backs in the first round are scary, but how good is this guy compared to some of the other first round running backs the last couple of years?
1: He's very similar to Saquon Barkley. The one area that I thought was pretty noticeable on film and he didn't test as well at the combine. He doesn't have that breakaway speed that Saquon Barkley had. Saquon Barkley was six foot two thirty three, So he was like the size of a fullback and ran four, four flat at the 2018 (laughs) combine.
0: That's stupid.
1: BJN Robinson does not have that breakaway speed. Everything else, his vision, his ability to cut in tight space, um, for being a bigger back is impeccable. His contact balance is awesome. And kind of like Saquon Barkley, like, from his freshman season at Texas, you could tell like this guy is going to be on the first round radar when he enters the league. So you're getting kind of a less fast version of Saquon Barkley. And I'm just I think we all probably agree with this for the Bills and just for teams in general. It's not the best way to allocate that first round pick.
2: Yeah, and I don't think the Bills usually operate like that. I know that no. you could bring up a couple third round picks, a second round pick, but the Bills That first rounder, it just doesn't seem like it fits really what they want to do, and they certainly don't want to pay running backs, right? I think we've seen that Mm -hmm. over the years as well. If you draft one in the first round, you're going to give them the 5th year option. You're going to pay them. I just think that that's just the way you kind of have to operate in that space. All right, let's talk offensive line before we get you out of here, Chris. Look, I'm of the belief that I don't think they're going to go interior. We can definitely mention it here. They they addressed it with Connor McGovern, um, and they still have Ryan Bates, who they paid a pretty nice salary to when they matched the offer a year ago from the Bears. But offensive tackle. Matt and I have talked a lot about, is it is it real what they're saying about Spencer Brown and how much they believe in him? Or is there a guy like Darnell Wright sitting right there and they go, you know what, we could put him there and Spencer Brown can fight for a backup swing role. I mean, what is your thought on A, the offensive tackle group at 27 that could be there and B, what they have been saying about how much they believe in Spencer Brown?
1: Yeah, if Darnell Wright was there, uh, I think the Bills would seriously have to consider it, and maybe even over some of these wide receivers, because this wide receiver class, round two, round three, you can get, I think, someone that can be that secondary or tertiary option right away. Darnell Wright, career right tackle at Tennessee. His handwork is awesome. He's a great pass protector. And at like 6'4", and 330, 335, and that's probably being kind to him. He's a He's a big dude. He's really athletic and you don't see him on the ground very much. He's really balanced. He's kind of like the opposite of Spencer Brown in that when they picked Spencer Brown, it was like, Hey, it's all about upside. How good can he be after he adds some weight in year three, year four, and maybe the bills are still banking on that with Darnell, Wright, You're getting a a battle tested from the sec blocker uh, that I think they would seriously have to consider. He's my number one offensive tackle ahead of Paris Johnson, ahead of Broderick Jones from Georgia. If Anton Harrison from Oklahoma was there, I think maybe he could be a dark horse selection, maybe more so a trade back for him. Um, Not exactly your classic Oklahoma tackle in that he's not this big lumbering mauler. He's actually pretty athletic in his own right, but a good player. I just wonder, and this might sound silly, I just wonder if Brandon Bean would be a little bit reluctant to pick another Oklahoma (laughs) offensive lineman after what happened with Cody Ford. And that's not scouting the helmet. It's the idea that, At Oklahoma, it's an air raid offense. It's wide open. A lot of the edge rushers that they faced, that Anton Harrison faced, um, were not necessarily rushing the passer. They were almost trying to play contain early in his career for Caleb Williams and even last year for Dylan Gabriel, who runs around a lot. I think that doesn't really prepare them in that offense, in those air raid offenses for what they're going to see in the NFL. But Anton Harrison and Darnell Wright, I think, could be there at 27 and those would be the two picks that the bills would have to consider for a lot of what sale kind of laid out to then you reduce spencer brown back to a swing role and i think in that role maybe to be the extra offensive lineman on a run to the right that's where you kind of like him
0: more if you're not fully happy with his development at this point chris we've talked about a lot of names we've talked about a lot of positions you're the GM for the day you're on the clock and I know what's going to happen. You know, we don't know what's going to happen, but of all the people you've mentioned, who do you think is the best fit for the bills?
1: I think it's Jack Campbell. And I like for a long time was on the, Hey, they need to pick a receiver in the first round train. I know Jeremy white uh, is very (laughs) much on that train, but having watched this entire wide receiver class, I really believe that going linebacker addressing what I think is the biggest need, In round one, because it really drops off after those three names that I mentioned, and I'm really not as high on Trenton Simpson as a lot of people are. And then going wide receiver in rounds two or round three, you can still get someone, again, that can be that secondary guy behind Diggs, behind Davis, um, that just works into the competition with a lot of these other young pieces and free agents. That's the best plan of attack. That doesn't mean that's how it's going to happen. But address your biggest need first with Jack Campbell in the first round. And then maybe your more important or most important need, which is just the value that you get at receiver having a direct impact on Josh Allen on the second day of the draft.
2: Chris, we uh, appreciate you, of course. And um, we want to say thank you very much as always. I know it's a busy time of year, but, you know, giving us some of your time here on it's always game day in Buffalo. We always appreciate you, man. You do great work. Thank you so much. And tell everybody where they can find all your stuff, obviously.
1: CBSSports.com. I'm pretty sure I'm doing the real time grades for every pick. It's, it's not exactly great on the eyes for me, uh, from rounds two to round seven this year. So just check out the CBS sports draft tracker to get my thoughts in real time on all the picks starting on Friday night. Thanks Chris. Right.
2: And, uh, Matt and I are going to talk a little bit about the bills and what's up next year on it's always game day. in Buffalo.